you're listening to On Human Rights, where we bring you interviews with experts from around the world on issues affecting human rights and international humanitarian law. My name is Gabriel Stein. We're coming from the Rao Wallenberg Institute of Human Rights and Humanitarian Law in Lund, Sweden. The organization Oxfam has just released a new report on economic inequality. It's titled Reward Work, Not Wealth. We thought it would be something to look a bit deeper into, so we put our senior researcher, Radu Maras, on the job. He is also the co-head of our Economic Globalization and Human Rights team. And in this interview, he speaks to Nick Breyer, who is the head of inequality campaigns at Oxfam. Enjoy. Hi, Nick. It's really nice uh, talking with you about this new Oxfam report. Uh, What is the study about and what are its main findings, please? So uh, the new report that Oxfam's just published uh, is about the scale and impact of economic inequality in the world, why that's happening, why we're seeing an increase in uh, inequality, particularly within countries, uh, and what the impact of that is for ordinary people, and particularly for people in poverty. So. One part of the report looks at what's happening at the top of the income and wealth distribution. So the returns that are accumulating to to wealth, the increase in the fortunes of billionaires particularly. Uh, And then the report goes on to look at what's happening for uh, ordinary workers, uh, particularly for women workers who are so overrepresented in the most uh, precarious and lowest paid jobs. And it shows why those two stories are linked, why what's happening at the top, these amazing returns uh, on the wealth of, of the richest, is directly linked to the exploitation, the poverty wages, uh, the long hours, the precarious work and so on of those at the bottom. And that this is, a, you know, this is an, an economic model that's driving both. So you, you are describing di- different facets of uh, striking uh, inequality. Uh, my question then would be about the, the type of data that you use. Uh, what are the sources for this data and how confident you are in this data? Uh, the data in, in our report is, is, is solid. It's the best available data. So looking at wealth distribution, for example, uh, we found that in the last year, 82% of new wealth uh, has gone to the richest one percent and that's based on data from the credit suisse global wealth report and what they're trying to calculate with that report is is complicated no doubt it's it's very difficult to estimate the wealth of everybody in the world you know that includes everything from housing to stocks and shares to land and livestock but it's the most thorough and comprehensive data set there is uh, other data and evidence in our report comes from the Forbes Rich List, probably the best estimate of the wealth of those at the very top. We also use data from uh, the ILO, the International Labour Organization, for instance, uh, to look at uh, estimates for the number of people uh, in some form of modern slavery or, or the number of uh, child laborers around the world and so on. And I noticed also that you have uh, around 7,000 interviews in 10 countries. Uh, I haven't seen a number, but that sounds about right. Uh, it's uh, uh, 70,000, actually, I think. Um, 
so oh so this yeah this is this big global survey that we commissioned with uh, a couple of major um, uh, uh, research companies survey firms and we talked to people in yeah a wide range of countries everywhere from the US to Nigeria from India to Denmark uh, and we asked people what they knew about uh, levels of inequality in their country uh, what they would estimate the level to be and they uh, and, and we asked them what they what they thought it should be and what was interesting is that across all those different countries people don't know how uh, how unequal their country is in every country people underestimate the level of the real level of inequality and what's also interesting is that even though they think their country is less unequal than it really is they still think it should be more equal uh, so the level of inequality that people think is acceptable and desirable uh, is closer in the majority of countries uh, is closest to the levels we in reality see in Sweden one of the most equal countries in the world uh, so it's, it's strong evidence that the public across the world do want to see action on inequality they do want to see governments taking this issue more seriously let's talk also about uh, the measures that could be taken to improve the situation so um, is it all about taxes and more taxes about increased taxation or what are the measures that this report proposes so our report looks at two two areas one of which is redistribution so so we do think tax is important we do think that having a progressive tax system that fairly taxes the rich uh, that fairly taxes biggest corporations that cracks down on tax dodging and, and the use of tax havens that that's really important uh, partly because in itself it's a, a way of uh, sharing the benefits of, of, of economic growth and so on more equitably but partly because you can use that money to then fund things like healthcare, education, which uh, lots of research has shown are the most effective ways of reducing inequality and poverty. But our report also looks at the things we can do to reform our economies so that we don't create such high levels of inequality in the first place. So this is the reforms to the labour market, which could include, for instance, action to eradicate the gender pay gap and to protect the rights of, of women workers uh, it can include action to uh, support and strengthen trade unions and the right to collective bargaining it includes governments increasing minimum wages towards a, a an actual a living wage a level that people can live on and and really enforcing those policies and we're calling on businesses to show more responsibility as well we're saying that businesses shouldn't be paying out dividends to shareholders or bonuses to their top executives unless they are confident that they are paying a living wage to all their workers and that they're paying fair prices to their suppliers because really if if you can't be sure that everyone involved with the business is at least earning enough to get by to feed their families how can you possibly justify paying out further rewards to those at the top who are already so wealthy 
Excellent. In, indeed, the report is packed with recommendations and so many and so diverse actions being proposed. I'm, I'm sure the, the readers will find that part very exciting. I would like to ask you, uh, for the human rights lawyers that might be listening to this, many human rights lawyers would look at inequality uh, in terms of uh, non-discrimination and uh, adequate standard of living, so uh, people have access to minimum levels uh, uh, of access to basic services on a non-discriminatory basis. Uh, should we see inequality as a human rights issue? Uh, what would uh, what would be the gain from framing inequality as a hardcore human rights issue? I think it's a really interesting question. I think, as you say, there is uh, a responsibility of governments uh, as the the duty bearer to ensure people's rights, and that I think there is a strong argument that if governments fail to steer regulate and manage economies in in a way that means large numbers of people are uh, are denied basic rights because whether that's because uh, those who would be most able to pay it are not paying taxes and therefore governments are unable to deliver uh, basic education and health services social protection or whether that's because our economies are so geared towards uh, profit maximization for uh, to benefit shareholders and that therefore that actively incentivizes companies to do whatever they can to drive down wages for lower paid workers and it incentivizes them uh, to exploit workers uh, in any way they can even if that pushes at the boundaries of the law uh, it incentivizes them to uh, Underinvest in safety, health and safety measures, etc. You know, you see this in, in lots of industries, whether that's agriculture or, or garments or technology or, or whatever. And so, it is, I think it is an economic model that is at least creates the conditions in which human rights abuses become probable. Uh, and I think there's a strong argument that your listeners would know better than me, I'm not a lawyer, but I, I, I think there's a strong argument that that it, that it is a, a, a human, inequality therefore is a human rights issue. A question related to that, Nick. Uh, one criticism that Oxfam gets with these types of reports is that you are stoking class warfare. What would be your response to that? I think it's something that people say because they don't want to confront uncomfortable truths. The fact is, all the evidence shows that our economies are working much better for those at the top than they are for those at the bottom. But there's also a wealth of evidence that shows tackling inequality is good for everybody. This, you know, this isn't uh, that doesn't harm the people at the top necessarily. More equal societies are more stable. They're, they're safer. They're uh, economic, uh, economically more stable and and prosperous. There's a, there's a nice quote from uh, Jeff Sachs, who wrote an endorsement of our report, who said uh, something like, sometimes the super rich say that Oxfam are stoking class warfare, but the truth is that in many societies, including the United States where he lives, many of the super rich have in effect declared war on the poor. Uh, 
I think that's an interesting, an interesting way of looking at it. That if there's been a, a class warfare, it's it's, it's been that uh, that those at the top who've had disproportionate influence over policy making uh, and 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 economic decision making, that arguably, they're the ones who have who have created this skewed economy that benefits people at the top so much more than people at the bottom. Uh, and all we're really talking about now is is rebalancing that. Uh, and creating a fairer economy for everybody. What is for you personally the most striking finding in this report? Oh, it's a good question. I was, I mean, I was shocked by the statistic around uh, the amount of new wealth in the last year that's gone to the top 1%. So 82% of the new wealth has gone to the top 1%. Because we've known for a while that the top 1% uh, already control more than 50% of the world's wealth. Uh, but I hadn't realised that 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 was increasing so fast. 82% in one year obviously means that that percentage that of, of total wealth that one cent hold is going to keep going up rapidly. I was shocked by that. I helped research and write some of the parts of the report around uh, some of the most extreme forms of exploitation, so modern slavery, child labour and so on, uh, and it's hard for anyone to uh, to read and engage with those issues without being, however much we, we kind of, you know, all, all of us know that those issues exist uh, in the world today. Really looking into the the scale and the and the impact of those, and 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 thinking about what that means for people's lives is is really heartbreaking. And and I I, I don't think anyone could could read about those issues and, and think about those issues and not be shocked and and feel really really angry about that. Thank you so much, Nick, for talking uh, to us about this very interesting uh, report. Oh, thank you. That was our senior researcher, Radu Mares, who's also the co-head of our Economic Globalization and Human Rights team. And uh, he took a few minutes to speak to Nick Breyer, who's the head of inequality campaigns at Oxfam. This is On Human Rights, where we bring you interviews with experts from around the world on human rights and international humanitarian law. Thanks so much for listening.